What's happening, everybody? And how y'all doing out there? Got a good old pal and a fellow drummer in the local scene that I played many shows with over the years, and Peter Costa of Torrential Downpour. Torrential just put out their amazing-ass new record, 2020, out on October 23rd, everywhere where you can hear music. So I figured we'd catch up and talk about the process of writing and recording it, as well as some of the more bizarre bills we've shared, and a whole lot more. So hope y'all dig it. Definitely good catching up with it. Get your hands on 202020 as well as the other releases they put out over the last 20 years. That's right. They've been at it for 20 years. Crash Bing Boom Podcast can be found on iTunes Podcast, Stitcher Luminary, Google Play, Podbean, Amazon Music Podcast, as well as my SoundCloud and YouTube pages. Feel free to check out any of the previous 200 plus episodes. Give me a like, a subscription, and or a positive review. The support is appreciated. If you're looking to release some vinyl, hit them up over there at NewOrleansRecordPress.com where you can check out myriad options of electroplating, mastering, design, packaging, vinyl, coloring, and a real-time quote generator add it all up. They also print 12 and 7-inch records in 150 and 180 gram variants. And that is NewOrleansRecordPress.com. Do please support bands in the form of live streams if you can, as well as lessons, tutorials, and master classes from your favorite musicians, not to mention merch or physical releases that are for sale as well as websites like saverstages.com that are looking to provide some assistance to venues that are very much feeling the burn right now. So help any way you can. All right, everybody, here we go. Peter Costa, torrential downpour. Dudes are shredding once again and not afraid to get a little weird in between there. Let's do it, Jesus. Crash, bang, boom. Crowds go mad with joy. Yep, yep. Costa of the one and only Torrential Downpour, straight out of New Jersey. What's happening, dude? How you making out, bruh? I'm doing all right, buddy. How you been? Pretty good, man. You know, it's strange times. What can I say? I've been unemployed for a stretch. Thankfully, that's that's worked itself out, and New York's still expensive, and I have two kids, and, uh, you know, not trying to not drink prior to 4 p.m., that's one of the challenges, I suppose. Yeah, man, you, you, you got to set limits. Yeah, some boundaries. I'm setting some boundaries, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Get into some sort of a healthy regimen prior to 4 o'clock and then throw it all to shit. Come 4 o'clock, happy hour! There it is. There it is. <laughs> uh, congrats on this new record, 2020. Thank you. Yeah, you know, there. I, I, at first when I, I, I looked at it, I realized, oh, well, first of all, y'all have been around for 20 years and this is 2020. Yeah. So there, I'm assuming that's the reference, but as an alternative spin, what would have been especially fucked up if y'all would have called it 2020s, as in you had to live through the year 2020 20 times. Oh, dude, nobody would want that. Once is enough. <laughs> Once was plenty. <laughs> I was just like, wow, what a hardcore <laughs> record. Like, uh, what a fierce yeah. fucking band. And y'all are, man. Uh, <laughs> like, to call it that, it's like, holy shit, we got to go through 2020 20 times. That's, that's just absurd. Fucking hell. Yeah, it's uh, it, for, I don't know what it is, but twenty has kind of popped up with us before. We act, we have a song on uh, 
our uh, our first album, which we just re-released, uh, remix, remaster, redux. That's right. And uh, it's called uh, 320 The Hologram. Oh. So there was also a subtle allusion back to, to that with the 320. Holy moly, dude. Yeah, man. Yeah, we're wormholes and threads all over the place. Seriously, man, you're projecting uh, numerology and, and, and willing this into existence somehow. Jesus, this is wild. It's like astral projection. Totally. <laughs> well, man, what, what have you been doing uh, since March? Uh, since we mentioned uh, the world has gotten a little strange since then. So what have you, what have you been doing with yourself since then? Uh, let's see. Uh, playing drums. Working on the new stuff, some new techniques, getting those doubles down. There you go. Doubles on the feet. Yeah, dude, it's the hot thing right now. Yes, uh, it is. So we got to get that down. Uh, you know, working on just technique, dynamics, just some grooves, you know, just having fun with it. You know, I, I think sometimes we get lost trying to be perfect and, you know, play stuff that we expect other people to want to hear. Uh-huh. and there should be an element of just having fun with it and just being natural with it. So I'm kind of working on taking techniques and, and phrasing and stuff, but getting it to a natural, easy to digest place, you know? Right. I think that's a good goal I to think, have for sure. Yeah. You listen to some dudes and, you know, I mean, they're great players, but you listen to some guys and it's just like, wow, that's, that's a lot, you know, <laughs> or it's like they sound too mechanical. Uh-huh. Um, the great ones are the ones that do the complicated shit, but it sounds natural and, and you get it. You sure. don't need a calculator and to, to figure it out. Right, right, right. Uh, other than that, dude, um, I got a heavy bag down in the basement. So that helps, you know, with the frustration. Yeah. Uh, doing some heavy bag work. Beating the drums, beating you know, the heavy bag. Yeah, a lot of beating going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I bet. I bet there's some a few other yeah. things too, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit hey we're only human you know <laughs> oh my god uh, but yeah like you said you know you gotta you know you gotta try to keep healthy you know in your in your mind and your body so you know just doing what we can totally man well uh did you go down any particular rabbit holes or find that you've been obsessing over any particular record or, or drummer or uh you know, even uh, uh, just, you know, any records that you felt maybe were especially apropos for, for this these bizarre times? Um, let's see. I mean, I'm, I'm constantly listening to, to the car bomb stuff, you know? I mean, yeah. it's just so good. It's, it's so dense. There, there's so much in there. Oh, my God, totally. I just, I can't stop listening to it. Um, other than them, uh, Devin Townsend. Right you know, on. I mean, he's just got a ton of stuff, yeah, uh, which is amazing. Empath was an incredible record. I think it's one of his best. I think it was one of the best albums of the year. Right on. That album's amazing. Yeah. yeah. The new Hum record was really cool. Oh, absolutely. I dug that. Fuck yeah. I've been digging on the new Bangladeshi stuff that's come out. For sure. You know? Yeah. And then I've been, like I said, I've been getting into some like just straight up like groovy stuff, like listening to like Stevie Wonder uh, Bill Withers, sure. uh, getting into like, uh, you know, tears for fears. Absolutely, dude. <laughs> but yeah. You know, just like, just simple stuff that works, you know, it moves you, it feels good. So yeah, man. But like a newer band that I've been getting into was uh four stroke Baron. 
Okay. I'm really getting into those dudes. Yeah, yeah, I just checked them out. Like somehow the you know the Instagram algorithm knew that that would be something that I could potentially be interested in, and they recommend it. And I checked it out, and I was like, oh, this is a cool band. That's funny that you just mentioned that. I think that might have literally been last night. Yeah, they're cool. They got a really cool sound. I really like what the singer does. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't do the traditional like metal thing. Right. Uh, he's got his own little kind of sound. And he fits perfectly in the band, and and they're, they're they're really cool. Yeah, man, I really dig their stuff. Fucking a. Well, uh, I was telling you earlier, but I'll I'll reiterate. Uh, twenty twenty twenty, definitely a great sound of record. Uh, Kevin Entrezian did a great job producing it. Thank you. Uh, y'all did a great job with everything you wrote, and obviously the performance. And uh, so I think everything came together. I think it's probably my favorite uh, release that I've that I've heard from y'all thus far over the course of twenty years. So congrats on that. So. Uh, oh, thank you, buddy. Yeah, man. Uh, tell me a little bit about the process of recording this. And uh, I mean, did y'all start writing this stuff? Uh, th- th- were y'all writing throughout this year? And when did it actually come time to actually record it? So uh, we started writing this stuff pretty much right after the Truth, Knowledge, Vision. Which was 2016? 2014? 2014. 2014, I believe, was when y'all put it out. Yeah. But after that, we kind of started, you know, toying with some of these ideas. Uh, there's one song on this, uh, on 202020, called Old Familiar. Uh-huh. Um, it's the one that's, uh, like, just this uh, sample that mm-hmm. there's drums to, and then there's, like, it, it builds into the later on in the song. But that's been around for a long, long time. Okay. And we just never found a home for it. Gotcha. And finally, with this, we were like, hey, let's let's get this done. And it, it's, it's a really cool track it's different than the rest of the album but it fits really nicely totally as far as far as like writing goes it's pretty collaborative mm-hmm. some of the stuff came out of just jams that we had at rehearsal that we record mm-hmm. and it's like oh that's a really cool idea let's let's work on that um but it's a lot of you know hammering out the parts and and kind of nitpicking it early on mm-hmm. so that when it is time to record everything's just pretty seamless right Absolutely. And then for the the recording process, uh, we did a lot of pre-production for this album, which we never really did for other stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, we pre-proed the drums and the, the guitars and the bass and then got click tracks. And, you know, I practiced with those for a while going into the studio. And then it was me playing along to the dry guitar and bass tracks uh, with Kevin. Gotcha. So it was really easy, no pressure. Yeah, it was great. Uh, it was a really fun recording session for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was pretty simple. You know, I mean, little hiccups here and there that all drummers, pretty much all drummers go through, I guess. Right. Where you doubt yourself every hit. You're like, that sucked. That sucked. Of course. But yeah, Kevin, he, he's great. You know, he's, he's like our fifth Beatle. He's like our, right. uh, George Martin, <laughs> totally. you know, like he, he <laughs> understands our language. He understands our, our methods and he kind of understands our end vision as we're going through the process. Totally. So having him on board is super invaluable for us. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. 
Uh, well, you mentioned something about uh, doing some pre-production and, and, and getting yourself comfortable with, with click tracks in advance. And I want to mention something that you told me some while ago when I believe y'all did Truth, Knowledge, Vision back in, you know, I know it was released 2014. Maybe it was y'all were working in 2013. But I remember you telling me that if, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you kind of spontaneously went into the studio and you're like, all right, we'll figure out like the click situation here, like on the fly in the studio, right? Did you actually do that? So we had overall tempo concepts for that. But as we were recording, we were figuring out that we needed to then kind of get more into the weeds with the, with the tempos ah. to make things more comfortable. So in a way, yeah, it, it was kind of like, all right, well, we'll play it and then we'll adjust the, the, the click track and then record it, if that makes sense. Okay. Where, whereas with, with 202020, we took care of all that in the pre-production. Exactly. You know, it was like, all right, well, we, we, we pretty much did the demo tracks without clicks and then kind of did a tempo map to those because it was like, all right, well, this is where the comfortable, uh-huh. this is where it feels right, This is and it breathes here and it's you know, slows there. Uh-huh. So we kind of went through and was like, all right, this section is this and this section is that. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, I just got comfortable playing along to that with the natural tempo changes. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I thought I misunderstood you when you originally told me. I thought you were like didn't do any knew nothing about like what any of the tempos would be and be like, I think it's around here. Let's give that a shot. And I was like, My God, Peter, that sounds like a nightmare. Why would you do that to yourself? Fuck. <laughs> oh, I mean, it, believe me, it was a nightmare doing that album, <laughs> doing TKV. Like I had nightmares for weeks, just just the click track, just in my head. I couldn't escape it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's. I, I don't know. I mean, I know why we do it to ourselves, but why do we do that to ourselves? I know. I know. I've always been so adamant about uh, kind of figuring it out. And granted, y'all's tempos are far more uh, extreme and o- more all over the place within a song. And especially, I mean, the opening song of this this record is eight and a half minutes. So there's a lot of movements, a lot of yeah. st- a lot of moving parts, a lot of stuff, a lot of the tempo maps, I would imagine, would be pretty, pretty tough. But uh, for me, it was never that m- too, too many. There wasn't too, that much in the form of tempo mapping. So it was kind of like, right. I'll, I'll throw the click on. Let's jam this song. Is everybody cool with that? Let's listen back to the demos. If it sounds like it's a little rushed, maybe we can just find a happy median and try to avoid tempo mapping, you know, altogether. But I understand that not every band writes that way. I've just kind of been lucky enough to kind of had, have it streamlined. Yeah. So in that sense, it was a little bit easier for me to just prepare for it in advance and months leading up to it. I was, we, the entire band was getting comfortable with playing it just like that. So that's, that's So it was easier come time to actually just go into the studio. We're just recreating the thing that we've been doing months leading into it. Right. But see, the, the thing with us is we were like getting the guitar and, and, and bass tracks like done before the studio. Right. So it was like we kind of had to know exactly what the tempos were so that they can yeah. record their parts. Right. And it would be perfect. Yeah. You know, and, and again, you know, there's, there's a lot of moving parts on the album. So everything needed to be right. Otherwise, it would just seem like the sonic jumble. Of and course. that's not what we're, we're, we were going for. You know, everything needed to be very precise and, and right on right on time. Yeah, yeah. So were y'all able to record the guitar and bass tracks leading into that in your, like where y'all practice and get all the tones and get everything, the takes of everything there? Uh, Matt and Jay did it at Matt's house. 
uh, right onto the computer. Nice. Uh, so they recorded, yeah, they recorded the dry tracks right onto, uh, I think it was Cubase, but then they dumped it to Pro Tools. Okay. Whatever it was. Uh-huh. I, I don't get involved in, in the tech crap. <laughs> they, uh, so they recorded their, their tracks on the computer and then sent those to Kevin. Gotcha. And then I played along to those. And then when that was done, they just reamped them through cabinets in the live room. Wow. And, uh, it, dude, it saved so much time. Everything was perfect. There's actually certain guitar tracks that were pulled right off, uh, some of the demos because we tried to recreate effects or whatever. Uh-huh. And it just wasn't, wasn't right. So we just pulled them right out of like the working demos that they, they fit because everything. Yeah. was exactly where it should be. Wow. So we had that luxury going in. Yeah. That's awesome that y'all were able to be happy with reamping. I know that's such a divisive topic. And I know from watching some of Kevin's yeah. YouTube videos, he addresses stuff like that. So obviously he's comfortable and has some some methods of, of pulling that out. But uh, it's funny, man, that it, that can be, there's so much negativity around the reamping thing. Um, I, it's, I mean, if it works, it works. And obviously it works for y'all. Yeah, you know what? When you have the money to just burn in the studio for hours and hours to get your parts and tones right, by all means, yeah. go right ahead. <laughs> yeah. But if you want to save money and make make it as efficient as possible, then you know you do all that stuff when you're not paying someone to sit there and hit, you know, the record button. Uh huh. You know, and then you just reamp the. You know, you find the right head and the right uh, cab combination, and you just play it in real time and. You know, have a beer and you're done. <laughs> yeah, fucking ahead. Sounds good to me, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, man. Were there any particular sections of any of these songs that were you mentioned? Sometimes getting in your own head. It's one of the things that I like to address as well because I've certainly had it. I've had it on gigs. I've had it in the studio where I get inside my head, which is further uh, exasperating. Kind of whatever my issue that I felt was happening with my playing and it potentially makes it even that much worse. Uh, and then sometimes you realize you're in your head for nothing. You listen back to it and realize it wasn't even that bad. Yeah. So yeah. all that, all that goes back to you just basically kind of taking yourself out of the game for nothing, but it's, it's hard when the record button is rolling and you know, it's time and money and everything else, you know, it's hard to, to yeah, separate yeah. yourself from that. But was there any particular section on any of this stuff where you were like, uh, found yourself a little, uh, a little off on it? Yeah, uh, so the the one uh, the song on the album uh, called Incognition uh-huh. was actually the first song that we wrote coming into coming into the new album. So ah. that's I guess you would call the the oldest song on the album, right? You know, and, and we had played it out a few times, but when I was in the studio, there was just something about some of the parts that I was just like, I can't get this. Mm-hmm. You know, it was I was in my head. And I'm like, oh, my God, oh, I just can't. And then the frustration kicks in. Yeah. And, yeah, you just got to, like, stop and hold on and take a couple deep breaths. And, you know, you just kind of get through it. You know, yeah. you kind of trust that all the work you put in will be there. And you kind of yeah. rely on muscle memory a little bit. Uh-huh. And you do it. And then, yeah, you go back in and you're like, oh, man, that was that was pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to be objective about it when you're playing it, you know? Uh, it's next to impossible. So then when you can have that objective moment and listen back to it, you realize that oftentimes it was uh, better than you might have thought, especially as we're talking about when you're psyching yourself out. But Yeah, or sometimes, you, you know, you, you, you do something in the studio that you hadn't done leading up to it, and you're like, wow, you know what? Like, it was different, but that really worked. Absolutely. 
let's keep it. Totally. You know? Totally. Yeah. I'm a fan of that a hundred percent preparing yourself as much as you can. And, uh, I've never been one too, too much to like write out, uh, or just memorize sort of orchestrate, uh, drum fills and whatnot. But I have gone through where some of them are like that, but, uh, certainly I like leaving a few of those openings for, to chance just to see what happens. And, uh, oftentimes within the first, first take or so, I'm usually a first take, second take kind of guy. I definitely don't seem to play it much better after that. But uh, it's, I'm so often surprised when I'm willing to let that those spontaneous moments happen and uh, some cool shit can happen for sure. Yeah, I mean, we've always had an element of improv in our music. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's just always kind of been in our blood, so to speak. So even recording, uh, I know at least from, from uh, uh, the, the, the drums, I do leave a lot of improv space in the music, mm-hmm. you know, like obviously like the, there's the part and I know how it goes or there's a fill and I know how long it is, but yeah, I don't write out fills. There are a couple fills on the album where it's like, all right, I'm going to do that fill always there. Right. Uh, but a lot of the stuff, you know, it was just, you know, it's just, just feel it, right. you know, like what, what comes out naturally and then how do I articulate it and get it across? Sure. So, uh, and there's actually, uh, there's, three more tracks that we have initially there was going to be uh, an eight track album. Gotcha. And, uh, we, we got to a point where we were like, all right, let's just take these five songs, which is, you know, a- enough material and it's dense and there's a lot going on. Yeah. Let's just release this stuff now. Yeah. And then we're going to go back and record these next three tracks, which, um, is a lot more of that improv maybe Phantomous esque cleric esque, feel to uh-huh, it sure. you know where it has that like natural uh augmentation and mm-hmm. weirdness to it sure. so uh but it's it's cool to get back to that because i think for for tkv it was like you know we gotta everything's gotta be written and we gotta you know make sure it's it's perfect where we were like let's just get back to what we enjoy doing mm-hmm. and just kind of you know let just let it fly So I'd mentioned, I, I believe, you know, y'all been doing this for 20 years. It has been 20 years, Torrential Downpour. That is correct. That is wild, <laughs> dude. How did this band come yeah. about, man? Y'all started in 2000. Here we are, 2020. My God. Yeah. Um, you want the long version or the <laughs> short version? Because <laughs> there, 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 there's the 20 plus year version of this answer. Right. I mean, I've I've known uh, the, our, our bass player Matt Cece since high school. He was a sophomore; I was a junior. So we've been playing music since. Oh man, was that ninety six? Wow, ninety seven. Mm-hmm. We've been jamming together. Yeah, uh, and then we we met Jay Sherman, uh-huh. uh, and we had another guitar player at the time. And then he he moved to he he stepped out because. 
what we were doing, which would become the direction that Torrential is now, he was like, man, you guys are getting really weird for me. He's like, I think you're on a different level. Uh-huh. Uh, and then uh, Sherman knew Volpe from a band that they were in together. Mm. And he was like, hey, I think he might be a good fit. So in 2000, you know, we, we acquired Jay Volpe, and we've been 20 years later. Here we are. That's crazy, man. You know, I mean, being in a band is like any other kind of relationship or marriage, you know? Um, You find the right people, and it just works, and it feels good. Yeah, and you don't have sex very often. That's the way it works. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh... (laughs) Y'all can keep that. It's fine, man. No judgment here. (laughs) Oh, man. But, you know, you find find the right people, and and it works. You know, like, sure, there's, you know, we we butt heads and and all that stuff, but the music kind of speaks for itself, you know? Yeah. Torrential really is like the sum of the four of us. Right. We don't really think it would work with anybody else in the mix. Yeah. Yeah. So that's awesome that y'all have kept consistent amongst the four of you over the course of 20 years. That's, that's incredibly uncommon, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 I mean, I feel super blessed to be able to, to call Jay and Matt and, and Sherman, you know, my, my bandmates. It's, it's incredible. That's awesome, dude. Uh, well, the, one of the ways that I knew that y'all had been around a while prior to even this record coming out, I was trying to do the math on it, but I believe the first time that I ever saw y'all, uh, my one of my older band's family, we played a show uh, with y'all and like eight other bands out in Coney Island yep. at, a, at a venue. At Cha-Cha's. At Cha-Cha's, that's right. I had never been there, didn't know that that was a thing, uh, and I had been going to, I guess that was in like 2012 maybe, uh, maybe, maybe 2011 even, like late 2011. Maybe. early 2012 something like that but uh it I, was cold out i remember that it was cold <laughs> and uh i realized a couple of things that night not the least of which that uh, at night uh, you know almost nearly a decade ago uh coney island gets real fucking weird out there like late yeah, at night. Does. Now, I don't know. I've been out there since then, and I didn't have that sense, but I don't know if it was that particular night. I don't think it was. I was just like, man, all of the like Coney Island, Brighton Beach, vampire, meth head fucking weirdos have come out at night. It was so strange. The whole scene was so weird out there. Yeah, it's it, it's a it's a strange little place out there. It really is. Coney dude. Island. It at is. N- especially at night. Absolutely. Um, I've 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 been out there a few times late at night. Uh, my wife is a uh, burlesque performer. So gotcha. She would perform out at Coney Island a lot. And, uh, you know, we'd get out. It'd be like, you know, two in the morning. And you see some things crawling around. You really and do. And you kind of question what you're looking at. <laughs> <laughs> totally, man. It's very, it could be really fucking strange out there. Uh, now, yeah. the, the the other realization that I had was uh, after Family played, and I remember it was hot. It was actually hot up, super hot up on the stage. But uh, I think y'all oh, yeah. y'all played maybe, if not directly after us, then the second band after us. And I remember watching y'all thinking, I don't know who this band is, but I'm sure as hell glad that they didn't play prior to us because y'all were just crushing that night. It was fucking ridiculous. <laughs> and uh, and I remember talking to to Jason uh, Sherman. That is. 
And, uh, and I was like, dude, how long have you been playing? And I think he said at that time, like about 11 years. Uh, so I, I was just like, wow, one, I couldn't believe that a local band had been together that long, which of course now even, you know, now going on 20 years is that much even wilder, but, uh, it was definitely crazy seeing y'all out there and on such a bizarre night. And that night you gave me a CD, which I still have to this day. And that's, uh, and I've I've been a fan of y'all ever since I saw y'all that night. So that was definitely one of the stranger gigs that, that I, played and it's super cool that uh that that it was with y'all who were shredding that night that was one of the first shows that we played out in i mean brooklyn coney island where um it was like wow <laughs> not only were, were you guys and uh d militia played yeah um i want queen elephant team yeah they played yeah i think crooked man uh, crooked man also played johnny lamacchia candiria's band yeah. played yeah it was uh, but yeah, there was a bunch of bands, but it was like, man, like, wow. Like we finally found bands that like we fit in with. Uh huh. Cause out here in Jersey, it, it's really hard to find like another band. Like luckily, like, you know, we met up with the dudes from like binary code. Right. You know, where it was like, wow, here's another band that we can like get along with. And when we play shows, it's not like, here's a punk band and then torrential downpour. You know, it, it's totally. like, it, we, we, we always kind of felt like, orphans or lost children but <laughs> as soon as we started playing you know with you guys because we played a bunch of shows together absolutely and then you know playing shows with the, with the car bomb dudes it was like wow we finally found our tribe totally it was like here's here's a bunch of people in cool places that get us uh-huh. you know i mean that that's when we really started you know I, I mean that's when we started getting a lot more more fans and a little bit more recognition and respect i guess yeah you could say sure you know, it was like, hey, we, 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 all right, this is where we've always belonged. Right. Was in, 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 in that Brooklyn area. So it was, it, it, and that was the show where it kind of first started, where we got in with you guys. Right. I too was completely unaware that that scene even existed because when I first joined the band family that we we're talking about that played that Coney Island show, I remember them saying, yeah, maybe we'll play like this lit lounge show on a Monday night. And I was like, dude, who the fuck is going to come see this obnoxious music on a Monday night at like a ba- in a basement? Dude, those shows were awesome. Yeah, people were always there. I could not believe it. And that's when I realized. Always. Yeah, that's what I was like. There is actually a scene of these underground bands that I had no idea about prior to playing with bands like you and, you know, Mika's Murder Guys and Tiger Flowers and all those other bands. And like you said, Binary Code, we were all playing together. It was a total scene then. It was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was it it went from we have a show to like, oh, we're going to go hang out with our buddies. Yeah. Oh, we're going to be playing some music, too, but we're going to go hang out with our friends. Right. It it, it was awesome. It is awesome. Absolutely. Well, another fun show that I was thinking about with uh, that we would have played, and uh, at this point it was my next band and Beast Modulus. We played with Torrential Downpour when y'all did the annual Dime Set uh, out there at your place. Yeah, and uh, I don't remember what what year that was, but obviously y'all played like two sets of Pantera songs. We even tried to play a Pantera song, uh, and and yeah, man, that was awesome seeing y'all play all that shit. It was fucking amazing. Um, in playing that stuff, what sort of drum awareness did you get or sort of insights into Vinnie Paul's playing, having, having had to learn all of those parts? What'd you learn about him as a drummer? I've always been a huge Vinnie Paul fan, uh-huh. you know, from the first time I heard Pantera in, in my buddy's basement, he's like, Oh, I got this 
this CD. It was called uh, Far Beyond Driven, and he puts it on, and I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> what is this? Yeah. You know, I mean, I was listening to like the, you know, like the Beatles and, and Nirvana and like, you know, the Seattle stuff. Yeah. Uh, but as soon as I heard this album, I was like, all right, well, this is it. <laughs> this is what I love. That's awesome. And then like, you know, all, you know, seeing all the, the Dime Fest, you know, learning all his stuff and trying to get it as close to perfect. But I didn't want to just be like, you know, like I kind of wanted to have it be me, but uh-huh. playing his parts. Sure. To me, it seemed Vinny was just all about just the groove of the song and how do you drive the song? Totally. You know, how do you how do you keep the momentum going and building while you got, you know, arguably one of the greatest guitar players ever totally. shredding it up, um, arguably one of the best heavy metal singers doing his thing. Yeah. And an amazing bass player in Rex. You know, how do you push all that forward and 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 drive it and make it awesome and you do it with the groove and you find that backbeat and you just pound the crap out of it (laughs) and then you know you spice it up here and there Mm -hmm. you know he had incredible chops yeah and and when he would let them loose you're like wow that's really cool but he wasn't one of those dudes that overplayed or was like all right well i'm going to put a fill here Mm -hmm. and then a fill here Mm -hmm. and then i'm going to do this and i'm going to do that it was just like well the, the song needs this and then right there, I'm going to make my statement, and then we're going to move it to the next part. Right. And and you learn a little bit more of like you know that restraint, but then when you do let it go, man, you just rock the fuck out of that, and you just <laughs> yeah. plow into it, and you hit hard. Yeah. You know, Denny was a heavy hitter. I'm a real fucking heavy hitter. Yeah. And that's what it is. You know, it, it wasn't so much. You know, counting and, and making sure you're you're on, but it was just that natural beat. It was that driving rhythm, and, yeah. and that's really what Vinny is. He's just that driving force. Absolutely, fuck yeah, man. Uh, question: There was another gig that we played together, and I don't remember if it was Family or Beast Modulus at that point, but I I feel like y'all were there. So do you, I don't know if you remember when the Charleston closed down, and Mika's Murder was the last band to play that night, and they destroyed the whole place. They ripped the ceiling down. And it was fucking like you know sheetrock everywhere. It was, it was a total mess. But did did Torrential Downpour play one of those nights, or were were y'all there? That do you recall that? We played one of the last. Yeah, Charleston shows, but not that one. I okay. remember being at that one. We were there, but we didn't play. But we were at one of like they. There was like a couple weeks. Yeah, where they were like getting all the shows in and like, hey, we're saying goodbye to the Charleston. Because mm-hmm. um, we played there twice, and we definitely played kind of on that tail run yes. that they were doing. But I definitely remember being there for that and thinking, man, this whole place is just coming down. Like, <laughs> yeah. We got to get out of this basement. <laughs> totally. Yeah. For those of you listening that might not know the place that we're referencing here, there's this small place that the Charleston upstairs, they would have free cheese pizza. It's kind of a dive bar. I DJed there at some point and like down, you would go down this little, down these little stairs. And then in the basement, they would throw these punk rock shows. And, uh, I played there with, I, I'm pretty sure of torrential downpour. And like one of my bands played there on one of those bills. And like, we're talking about towards the tail end that just, this uh, local band Mika's Murder uh, just absolutely ripped the place apart. The ceiling came down. It was yeah. fucking, it was wild. I stood at the back and the same thing that you thought. I was just like, I probably need to get it. I'm going to stand as close to these stairs as possible. I'm not going to be on the front front of this. I'm going to be on the back of this. I'm going to be one. Of- <laughs> Even those stairs were suspect. 
Completely. Like, I, I, I don't know what fire marshal signed off on that, but he got paid. Oh, yeah, for real, right? <laughs> totally, man. Absolutely. But, I mean, hey, if, if, if you're going to close down a venue and send it off, that's how you do it. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Well, uh, with streaming, you know, with bands uh, doing live streams and uh, of their shows and whatnot, I don't know if y'all have any plans to do that. I know y'all did a, a video for the, the the first track off this new record, which is awesome. I'll put a link in the description of this episode for people that want to check it out. Uh, but are there any plans to, to 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 do a live stream somehow? We have plans, but it'll be for uh, excuse me for uh, next year. Gotcha. Uh, we're not going to try to rush anything to just squeeze it in for this year, especially, you know, with what's about to happen, mm-hmm. you know, uh, with the election and right. everything going on. We're just like, you know what, there's a little bit more important stuff to, to worry, worry about and figure out. We'll, we'll, we'll get to the, the live streams and, and that stuff when all this is, is figured out and the fallout has, has settled. So. <laughs> yeah, right. I hear you, dude. Um, I mean, we, we had tossed around the idea of, you know, setting up some GoPros in, in our studio downstairs and just doing something down there like that. Uh, I know Kevin at Backroom, he's been doing some uh, uh, live streams, which have been, have been coming out awesome. Totally. Uh, so, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely get there after the album's out and then probably come the new year. Nice. We'll, we'll definitely start... Uh, playing some some quote i'm doing air quotes right now some yeah. shows gotcha gotcha man uh well as far as playing drums man i didn't even ask you but how why the drums in the first place and was that your first instrument did it all start there or did you segue into the drums from another instrument uh i tried playing guitar as a kid same here and then i have fat <laughs> short fingers right. like the rest of me is fat and short <laughs> so i had a real hard time playing guitar um <laughs> And when I was taking lessons, unfortunately, I had a, a bad teacher. Ah. So uh, he he was more interested in, like, showing me the cool shit he could do uh-huh. than, like, you know, showing me fundamentals. Right. Uh, so I was like, all right, well, this is kind of lame. And then um, a buddy of mine was like, hey, you know, uh, I, I think I want to start a band. He's like, I play guitar. Uh, I, I, I'm looking for a drummer. And I was like, well, I'll, I'll give drums a shot. Yeah. Uh, I got, I was able to, to get, you know, a very inexpensive kit and kind of figure out how to make drums sound like drums. Yeah. And, uh, we started playing Beatle tunes. Nice. That's what I learned, you know, was playing along with Ringo and, uh, uh, Paul McCartney and all those albums. And, you know, Sergeant Pepper was my drum teacher. Wow. You know? Um, and then, um, from that, I got into, uh, Dave Grohl and Nirvana, um, Matt Cameron from Soundgarden. Absolutely. And then, like I said, once I heard Pantera, it was all downhill from there. <laughs> yeah. It was just like, all right, well, you know, I gotta, I gotta get double bass. I gotta, I gotta figure out how to play that. You know, I gotta get the power. I gotta get the the, the groove down. Yeah. And um, so that that was that was when I first realized, like, all right, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, whether I make a million dollars or I make no money, like I'm gonna play drums because I love I, I love this music, and I love doing it. Yeah. And then, you know, going through, you know, you just find these guys, you know, as you, you explore music, you know. Um, it, it, oh, man. So many dudes. I know. Oh, you know, it's like, where, where, where do we even, you know, who do I even talk about? You know, it's <laughs> totally. It, 
<laughs> I mean, we we could we, I, I we've done it before. Yeah, and and it's gone on for hours where me and you will sit down and be like, oh, this dude and that dude. Oh, did you hear this guy with on that album? Of course. So you know, there's so but, many. But you know, you, you you listen to dudes and you pick different things from them. You know, um, even you know you see you know you see your friends play live like. You know, watching you play, I've picked little things from you, and watching Elliot play, pick things from him and Kenny. You know, like you yeah. see, like, oh wow, that's a cool idea. Sure. That's a cool concept. I'm going to work on that. Yeah. You know, and then you kind of, you know, in talking, you find out who you guys listen to, mm-hmm. and you're like, all right, well, I'm going to listen to them. So you find, you know, Vinny Caliuta and and those guys. Totally. Fuck yeah, man! Learning on learning on the fly, learning on the gig. I like your style, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I never really took I took like three months of of actual like drum lessons, right? And then I was just like I, I like it's cool like you know I, I've I've always learned and, uh-huh. and I, you know I want to be a student of the drums, but man, I just want to fucking rock out, <laughs> you know? Yeah, totally. <laughs> oh my god, man, that's good stuff. Well, uh, cheers to rocking out, my man. And again, uh, congrats yeah, on buddy. 2020. 20. Again, I think it's a great record. Thank you. It's my favorite thus far. And again, great production by Kevin Atrezian. And uh, yeah, all the, all the stars aligned. And it may be a bizarre world in which we find ourselves, but at least there's some cool music out, to, out there to listen to. And I think one of your records is one of them. Thanks, buddy. I really appreciate that. I hope, uh, hope uh, everybody enjoys it. Absolutely. Yeah. That's all we really hope for is just listen to it and enjoy it. You know, uh, I hope it can be um, uh, an escape for some people. You know, you can just kind of put it on and forget about all the bullshit around us for a little while. (laughs) Fucking A, man. Right on, Pete. Good talking to you, my man. It's always a pleasure, Jody. Thank you very much. All right, everybody. Thanks for hanging as always. And thanks to Pete for rapping. Definitely cool catching up with him and reminiscing about some of the more bizarre shows that we played back in the day, as well as influences and, of course, some of the uh, processes behind uh, Record 202020 album rules. Hope y'all check it out and enjoy the talk. We'll catch you on the next one. Crash, bang, boom.